This is Contractor Sense with Ruth King. Welcome to Contractor Sense. Here you discover ideas, tactics, news, and information that matters to your contracting business and you. I'm your host, Ruth King. This episode is sponsored by HVAC Trustbooks. Go to HVACTrustbooks.com to discover how this tool can help you close more sales. Thank you for joining us. Here's how we will help your business and you today. Establishing a credit policy is critical for positive cash flow. My guest today, James Albert, was credit manager for Gensco, the train distributor in the Northwest for more than 28 years. He's seen the good, the bad, and the ugly as it applies to getting paid from your customers. James will share some positive practice to put in place to make sure you get paid. James, welcome to Contractor Sense. Thank you very much, Ruth. I appreciate you inviting me. Oh, my pleasure. So, um, you in 28 and a half years, you've definitely seen the good, bad, and the ugly. And then some. <laughs> you know, and, and tell me if this is true or not. You as a credit manager want the, everybody to get paid so they can pay you, right? That is 100% correct. There are two, two things that you have to do in business. You got to sell your product. You got to collect for it. Right. And I think, you know, you and I have talked a little bit about this offline, but you even saw some residential contractors who when installing um, replacement equipment didn't ask for a deposit or didn't collect right when the job was over, correct? Oh, yes. Far too many of them to be sadly uh, stated. So the reality is that customers should expect to pay a deposit, correct? Uh, yes, they should pay a down payment. But what I've seen in the last few years, more and more contractors are aligning themselves with their brand, uh, their equipment brand, and each equipment manufacturer has their own finance arm so as to make it easier for the consumer to buy the product instead of having a $11,000 install, which is about the national average for a retrofit install. Um, and so more and more customers are getting away from the down payment and going strictly to finance. Would you say that more than 50% of equipment is financed today? That's a tough one to answer. Uh, I don't specifically know the, the, the percentage, but it is trending upward. Um, I visited a couple local uh, Vancouver contractors and uh, they, they both state 100% of their retrofit work is uh, through uh, uh, Syncrist, uh, I think it's called Synch Synchrony. Yes. Mm -hmm. And uh, I know Wells Fargo is big into it right now, US Bank is kind of coming to the table a little late, but they're starting to get involved. Hearth so Financial, yeah. Hearth Financial. Exactly. Who is exactly. And, and the reason being, obviously, is most people, most homeowners don't have 11 grand sitting in their savings account. So okay. <laughs> when somebody can offer financing and your payment and your investment, monthly investment is only $80 a month, that's a little more palatable than writing a check for half down and half on completion. Yeah. So the, the question at that particular point, if it goes directly to financing, then there is no down payment, correct? That is correct. All right. So let's assume that we get started with financing and we handle that from the 
residential replacement side. But let's look at the commercial side, for example, or the new construction side. I think the new construction side is is the hardest part because you're dealing with um, general contractors who like to hold on to their money. Uh, there is some there there is something to be said about that. A lot of general contractors, especially the smaller ones, smaller builders, may not have extensive capital at their disposal, and so they will typically finance their net next project with the revenues from some of the subs in the current project to get things off the ground. And so this chain of events keeps on reoccurring where payments are stretched out to 60 days to 90 days. Uh, it has always amazed me how many uh, contractors do not send out preliminary notices on the jobs or intent to write to leads. Uh, it, 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 it's something that is a must in the commercial and building industry, but very few actually do this. Okay, so I assume, well, in Florida, I think most everybody does it because it's part of the startup package. So the, the builders are used to it, but maybe not in California so much or Oregon or Washington where you are. Um, but that absolutely has to happen so that you don't have to, well, you still have to worry about getting paid, but at least you have a legal document that basically says, you don't pay me, I'm going to lien the property. That is correct. And, uh, you know, on the commercial end also, that's private, um, that's private industry uh, work. On the public side, uh, our contractors should be requesting performance bonds and payment bonds to make sure that the public entities like the federal government, your state government, local communities, there's a bond in place to protect them in the event of the GC or developer having issues in the job. Okay, so how do we do that? Well, typically in, in, in if we're talking about the public sector and let's, let's just make an assumption that uh, the state of Georgia uh, is uh, retrofitting um, their equipment in City Hall. Uh, each state has its own laws regarding the amount of money uh, a general contractor or a subcontractor uh, can extend that is bondable or non-bondable. Uh, so a contractor really needs to go into uh, what they call, and it's a, it's a website that anybody has access to. You go into your state's Little Miller Act. Now, the Miller Act is a federal law comprising of uh, rules and regulations on how to get paid on public venues. The Little Miller Act is a state law, and it doesn't trump federal law, but if there are state uh, provisions that are doing work within that scope, the Little Miller Act takes precedent over the Miller Act. And so they will know if there's a bond, who's holding the bond, how much the bond is, that's public information that the general or the developer should be sharing with the subcontractors. Okay, so fair warning, go look at it. <laughs> Absolutely, you know, it's, 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 I, I've, I've been involved, sadly enough, on the backside of a deal gone bad, uh, where 
contractors haven't even read their contract. Um, the biggest ones that I've seen is they don't read the contract where it, where it states about a condition that happens virtually all the time, which is change orders. Who covers the change orders? Well, you have an upstream provision contract between the developer and GC and the paying authority, whoever it may be. It might be a bank, could be Walmart, could be whoever it is. And their contract is different than the one they have with our contractors. Their contract is going to be heavily weighted toward making sure the owner is protected against liens and lawsuits and, and uh, bond claims. And it also has provisions that the owners must approve change orders. So what happens in some of the cases I've seen is our contractors are not communicating correctly with the general or the developer and they're doing change orders without getting approval from the owners. So at the end of the day, some of them have been misfortunate enough to not get paid and have to go through the legal uh, route to try and justify their change orders. Fine, and I'm being facetious. And I'm not, and well, it, it is, anytime you deal with the law or uh, attorneys, uh, a word of advice for all contractors, if you can emulate any one profession that is the master of all masters when it comes to billing, Look no further than your lawyers. They are <laughs> masters of billing. You will get a bill within seconds after you consult with a lawyer. Yeah, absolutely. And on that very positive note, we need to take a break. So we'll be right back. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. Do you ever have warranty leak issues? One of Ruth King's clients did about four years ago. Thousands of dollars in expense and unhappy customers. She solved this problem for him, though. How? With a leak letter that every customer must sign with a service technician discovers a refrigerant leak. Once they implemented the letter, there were no more warranty leak headaches. No warranty leak callbacks. Happier customers. The surprising result was more replacement sales too. To get a copy of the leak letter for free, just send Ruth an email at ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. That's ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. You can't. That's what my daughter Kate told me when I said I wanted to make financials fun. The gauntlet was laid down. The red blanket was waved in front of the bowl. Ronin the Rubber Duck was born. This ebook is a whimsical look at financials from a duck's perspective. To get this fun, easy to read Kindle book, go to Amazon and search for Ronin the Rubber Duck Dives Into Financials. That's R-O-N-A-N, the Rubber Duck Dives Into Financials. Let me know if I made financials fun for you. Thanks for listening to Contractor Sense. I'm speaking with James Albert, who spent 28 and a half years with Gensco, the train distributor for the Northwest, and saw a lot of things. Before, before the break, we were talking about change orders and making sure that they get approved by the owner, not necessarily the GC, but the owner, if that's what's in your contract. Read your contract. James, where can people find you if they have questions or want to contact you? Well, they can find me on LinkedIn. And uh, I've got a wealth of experience in, in, in protecting our contractors' assets, which is their receivables. And uh, I'd be more than happy to uh, allow 
anybody interested in my my uh, data uh, to personally email me. Okay, and your email address is? JamesAlbert1 at Comcast.net. And that's J-A-M-E-S-A-L-B-E-R-T, the number one at Comcast.net, correct? Correct. All right, cool. All right, so now that you've given us really great advice about making sure we read the contracts with respect to change orders, is that the same for a builder of residential as commercial, or is that just only for commercial? It tends, Ruth, to be more for commercial projects because what I've seen with the builders, and I've been out to many, many job sites, and, and part of, of the greatness of Gensco is they want all of their people to understand who they're selling to. And so we and, our, and my team will go out with dealers, go out to job sites, uh, look and see how things are done, what a rough-in is, what a top-out is, what, what a finish is. But in the builder section, usually it's, they are given a set of plans and they pretty much know, you know, what the plans are. And it, it, it's kind of like Legos. You know, a lot of these spec houses uh, are all basically the same with maybe four or five different floor plans. And so they pretty much know exactly what gear they're going to go in and, and what supplies go into the job. Custom houses, on the other hand, a little bit different because custom means custom. Mm -hmm. And that being said, change orders can and sometimes do happen. And the contractor needs to be aware and know up front and communicate up front that the price that they're giving to the builder is a price based on the builder's design specs that they're giving the contractor. If it changes, that they're entitled to make money on the changes. And a lot of them don't do that. Okay. So we need to actually put that in writing, I would assume too, correct? You do, you, you, you do. Uh, what I have found, Ruth, when it comes to contracts, um, one thing is a credit policy uh, and, and we can get into that later if you wish, but a credit policy kind of, you're, say, you're, you're talking to your customers, your customers are looking and saying, the ownership is saying, how much risk can we afford? And, and should we have something written down to prevent bad risk from occurring? And all those things that we're talking about, sending out preliminary notices, uh, making sure change orders are documented and approved, uh, making sure retainage has <laughs> a duration of time on it. A lot of companies in commercial, they say they're going to withhold 10% retainage. And I've seen contracts, there's no date. I I've seen retainage get paid a year later. So and 10 have I. On a commercial, yeah, 10% on a commercial job you don't net 10% as a commercial contractor. Yeah. I mean, uh, Robert that's, Morris that's, says that's you the net promise. about 1.2%. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. That's, that's very, very true. Do you, I mean, do you recommend that if a contractor does work, let's say in the month of, we're in the month of November, 
and you bill on the 15th of November and payments expected on December 10th and you don't get it, do you stop work? You know, that is a relationship question, Ruth, because uh, it's a two-sided sword. Um, if that payment with that particular party is consistently five, 10 days late, then basically you've, you've accepted that payment behavior. Uh, if it's brand spanking new in a, in a new relationship, the ownership needs to look hard at, um, do, I, do I really wanna press matters? Do I really wanna walk off the job? Do I really wanna send a threat to a lien? After you do that, you're probably not going to be welcomed back onto the project. And maybe that's a good decision. Uh, each individual contractor has to make those tough decisions because there are times that you may not want that job. Uh, yeah. But getting back to, I think it's an individual assessment by the contractor as to how much leverage they want to exert. And what are the ramifications? ramifications of that leverage. They could get paid faster. However, they might destroy the relationship. Yeah, I think it's worth at least a phone call. You, absolutely, Ruth. There's nothing wrong with, with a friendly over-the-phone call. Uh, I've tried to ask, I, I've tried to talk to contractors about, let's not get through the check in the mail. We've all heard that excuse millions of times cut that loop out yeah. Go in your contract check. state that you want to have electric funds transfer or ach automatic clearinghouse bank to bank transfers it's free yeah uh, and that way they can just say okay the transfer is going out on the 10th or whatever else it is and if i don't receive it on the 10th i check my bank balance on the 11th and there's nothing wrong with a friendly phone call, I don't think, that says, hey, you know, I just want to check and make sure that everything's okay, because our agreement was that we billed you on the 15th, which we did, which usually sometimes that's electronic these days also, and that um, payments due on the 10th of the following month, and we haven't gotten it yet. Could you check on it for us? Absolutely, Ruth. Um, and that's easy. Accurate. Yeah, that's easy. It's not, it's not offensive. It's not harassment at that point. Um, I look at it, you know, you've got a contract. You did your work, they got to do theirs. They got to pay you. Well, you know, and another thing to that, Ruth, which, which is a really uh, excellent observation on your part, is you've got to have a timely follow-up. So if I call you, Ruth, and say, hey, Ruth, I'm just following up, see where we sit with the, a payment that was due today. And you tell me, uh, well, I, I got a check in the mail going out today. Then the question you might want to ask, I would ask you, Ruth, is, so what do you think, Ruth? Uh, is three days a good day to follow up just in case we don't receive the check? I would say even before that, well, if you've got the check ready, I've got a, um, a tech in the area or I've got somebody in the area and I'll just have them come by and pick it up. I wouldn't give it oh, in the mail. absolutely. There's nothing wrong with that whatsoever. Uh, what I do, though, think, though, Ruth, in, in all of your, your publications over the years, you're, you, you talk about, uh, and I'm a firm believer of your net profit per hour, 
but I'm also in reading your books, you talk about unapplied labor. Well, sending technicians or people out to collect money is unapplied labor. I'm sending my bookkeeper. The, okay, there you go. <laughs> I'm and not sending a tech. I'm sending Absolutely. my bookkeeper. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Techs um, need to be billable. They got to generate the, revenue. My bookkeeper is not generating revenue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, you you want to try to, you know, that is a powerful way to collect your money. And, and it's harder to get rid of a body in front of you than it is a phone call. Yeah, absolutely. So and cool. so that being said, that's not a bad strategy. But what you want to ultimately try to achieve is not having to do that every single month. And that's where the owner of the the HVAC company talks to the uh, person that's involved in making the payments and say, hey, gosh, you know, we did this this month. Uh, can we expect uh, a check on time next month? Or can we just do it by ACH? Then you don't have a problem it, with it at all. Exactly, exactly. You know, make it as easy as you can on the payer. And a lot of times what I've seen is there is software out there and I can't really tell you what it is. I've just kind of looked at it. There are ACH softwares like Bill Trust. Yeah, but you can do it. You can do it on PayPal. PayPal has it too. I mean, not PayPal. Um, QuickBooks. I well, mean, what, if, if you use QuickBooks, you can use their ACH. Well, there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But what I was going to add is uh, I've seen um, them add a lien waiver. Uh, yeah, into can do their, that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, a lien waiver into their uh, uh, payment. So they send you the invoice and on the invoice is a lien waiver and it directs them to send their ACH payment. And in the lien waiver, it says upon payment received and deposited by our bank, this lien waiver becomes uh, officially, um, officially declared. Yeah. Absolutely. So cool. James, give us your email address one last time, please. Uh, JamesAlbert1 at Comcast.net. Thank you so much for being with us today. I, I know everybody got a lot out of it and make sure that you get your money. <laughs> thanks, James. Thank you, Ruth. And thanks to all of you for joining us. Choose one thing that you discovered and implement it in your business. These ideas, tactics, and strategies help you make more money, have more free time, and give back. If you like today's program, spread the word. Please review this podcast on any device you're listening to it on. Help a fellow contractor make more money too. For comments or questions, call me at 770-729-0258 or email ruthking at hvacchannel.tv. Thanks for listening. Have a great and profitable day.